Welcome to Land a Job You Love podcast. I'm your host and career coach, Kajal Bansal. If you're someone who's looking for that sense of fulfillment in their career, you've come to the right place because in this podcast, I'll be speaking with inspirational industry leaders who have followed their true interests and instincts to land work they love and give you advice on how you can do the same. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're so welcome. It's so nice to be here. I know that when I release this, people in my network are going to be like, how did you land such a big guest? Oh my but I'm very lucky. I don't know you through social media. I know you a little bit more personally. So for anyone who doesn't know, you grew up with my sister's husband. Yes, I sure did. Actually, our our moms have been best friends since they were nine years old. So it's a very long relationship. Yeah, it's cute. That's very special. And it's so funny to like, I know him a certain way. And then getting the inside scoop of how he was as a teenager for you yes. is like the funniest thing ever. I know. Yeah, it's it's really special. But so you and my sister, because they're now married, have become really good friends. Yeah. And then you and I are friends, but I've also just like been the beneficiary of your friendship because I get to be around the house when you're well, I've around I've always the house. wanted a little sister. So it's actually working out so beautifully for me because I'm just like... Why? Why did I grow up with a brother who was like eight years older than me? Like that was no fun. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, I'm happy to fill that role. So yeah, that that is how we know each other. But just for, for the audience, can you give a quick intro of who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, I guess my name is Sonia Joss and I am an author and a speaker and I sort of focus my time and energy in the mindset and wellness space. I've been sort of in versions of this existence for the last 10 years almost. And prior to that, had super long hair, was a good little Indian girl in the corporate world, and was really living like a very different existence. And so it's been a journey, Kajal, as you know, and as you are on yourself in sort of, you know, making pivots and making big changes and taking big, bold steps. And so here I am and the journey continues, you know, it's like one day at a time. (laughs) That's incredible. And this is, you're such a perfect person to talk to for this podcast, because really for me, it's like, I speak to women in my work in career coaching all the time. And it's like a consistent theme. I see that people feel so unfulfilled by their work and you make those decisions so early of what you're going to pursue. And then you get to be in your thirties and you're like, do I even like this? Like, I'm not feeling fulfilled by this and I don't know what the next step is. So I wanted to speak to women, like industry leading women who followed their own interests and their own instincts to land work they love. And so you are like the perfect person to talk to. Thank you. But I wanted to kind of start at the beginning. Like I would have met you around 2011. Mm -hmm. And when I had met you, you were still working in corporate. So I wanted to just kind of ask just as a starting point, what did you study and what were the early years of your career? What did that look like? Oh my goodness. I can't believe, yeah, you do know me from that other identity. So I pursued Queen's Commerce. So I did my undergrad in Kingston, sort of clawed my way through it, you know, landed on the dean's list because that was like the major goal and came out of Queens working at IBM sort of as like a young South Asian corporate executive for the first time. It was really like the first time IBM Canada had taken a chance on a little brown girl, you know, in the financial services sector, dealing with IBM's largest client, TD Bank, you know, $450 million portfolio. It was 
a massive, massive opportunity. So I was really excited to say the least. And that was sort of the launching point, I think, for my career. I did do my executive MBA shortly after that because very quickly the like, uh, I don't feel so good. Like, I don't know, something doesn't feel quite right was creeping up and naturally like a good brown girl getting like further education was the answer because like, what else do you do when you need to like find yourself? So I have my BCom, I have my MBA started in the technology space at a company called IBM and then moved quickly to another smaller technology company called F5 and then made sort of the massive quarter life crisis leap, which came after that. Can you tell me a little bit about the feelings you were feeling when you were, you like have this on paper and on the outside probably looks like this perfect job for such a young person to take on that much responsibility and get to have that type of job? Like what were the feelings that you started to feel that made you feel like it wasn't necessarily right? I think, you know, when the initial sensations started to wear off, that sensation of like, I've made it, I'm like rolling in money, I'm like living the life, like Once that vibe started to shift, I think what I started to uncover was this disconnect, this feeling of like longing, this feeling of a bit of emptiness, feeling like I didn't belong somehow, feeling almost like a little bit of a fraud. And really, I think it was like, day in and day out, I would wake up just with this emptiness, you know, and I, and I, I couldn't really explain it because it's like, I had all the thing things and I had worked so hard to get to the end destination. You know, I had the the husband and the home and the job and the things and the money and all of it looked exactly the way it was supposed to. And yet every day I woke up just feeling like there was this dissonance inside and I, I didn't know what it was. And I, I tried my best to override it for a really long time. Like you get pretty good at overriding as a brown girl. And so, you know, I was sort of just trying to like perpetuate that thing. The it's okay, you're okay. It's okay, you're okay. And it's like for the first time in my life, I couldn't really do it anymore. I, I couldn't really perform my way through it. I couldn't really believe my own overriding anymore. And I'd love to be able to pinpoint it as like, you know, this very precise feeling. It really wasn't. It was just sort of this haunting sensation like they said I would be happy now. And every day I wake up and I don't feel good. And I'm not even sure I know what it means to feel good, but this can't be all there is for me. This can't be as good as I get to feel in my life. Something's not right. And it was sort of that acknowledgement to myself that I think started the snowball, started the, oh. I can't. Yeah, so no. It's like, it's so relatable and yeah. it's so yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, God. Between you and I, like, I mean, the question's going to be like, who's going to cry more? Because like, as you know, <laughs> I cry for literally everything. I went for coffee with someone this morning and spent two hours crying. Like, it's just, it's coming out of my eyeballs all day, every day. But, you know, I think I think that was really the piece of it where it was like, you know, I, I, I fought my way to get here and I got everything that I thought I wanted. And now all I feel is sort of like empty and kind of broken and I don't know how to fix it. And 
again, like I said, you know, it was like, okay, how do I band-aid the problem with more education, with like being like, maybe I don't want to be in sales and consulting. Maybe I want to be in marketing. Maybe it's technology that's the problem. You know, you sort of start reaching at all of the external things that could be issues that are like the quick fixes versus coming to the moment where you're like, oh God, I designed my life and I designed it for someone else and I'm not this person. And now I don't know who I am and I don't know what that means, but here we are at the inflection point. And as you know, it's scary, right? Because there's no blueprint, there's no roadmap, there's no easy answers. And I remember for myself, it was like, okay, how do I just like have a baby and go off on mat leave and become a mother so that then like nobody can judge me for making my exit and then I'll like figure my life out then because, you know, that'll be the solution so that I don't have to face the judgment, so that I don't have to face the disappointment, so that I don't have to face the, you're not who we thought you were. And it didn't work out that way, but that was what I believe to be like my clever exit after doing the education and after sort of making the pivots and realizing that like none of that surface level stuff is cutting it. Yeah. Like it's so funny that you say that. It's so true because in addition to the fear that you just feel for your own future, the the weight of knowing that you're going to disappoint your parents or anybody around you and it's not going to make sense to anybody, like that's so heavy. So heavy. It's so heavy. And you know, you don't want it to be so heavy. Rationally, you're like, I'm an adult. I should be able to make decisions for me. And yet there's such a difficulty that we experience in separating ourselves. Like where, where do they end and where do you begin? And their beliefs and their values become your beliefs and your values. And so you don't even know who you're worried about disappointing, right? You don't even know where the fear is coming from. It's, it's just such a snowball. It's this like tightly packed ball of garbage that you can't really untangle because you're just so caught up in the overwhelm and the feelings. And I think, I think that's where a lot of people stay stuck, unfortunately, right? Like yeah. you and I, you know, have sort of found ways through it, but I think a lot of people stay stuck like in that sort of, I'm holding myself hostage. I'm not sure why I should be able to mobilize myself and yet I can't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The thing that really got me is when you said like you achieved all all that you were supposed to. And then you said the words, they said I would be happy now. And it got me because the last offer I had was the the best, like the highest, most money, money I was I was ever offered. And I was offered this insane pension. And I kept thinking to myself, if I switch the situation, if I don't work here anymore, I'm going to lose this crazy pension. And what will that mean for my future? And then I was like, the way that I feel every day, I'm not even going to make it long enough to enjoy this pension. Yes, I'm not going to yes. make it. The anxiety that I feel every yes. day is so real. And yeah, it is. It's like, like, it's like the anxiety is so real, and and you can feel yourself. You know, it sounds dramatic, but it's like you can feel yourself slowly dying inside. Yeah. And to your point, it's like, what is all of this for? If I'm not even going to survive, exactly. And when you start, it's like, this was the first time in my life, like I'd always kind of have Sunday scaries, but I started to get anxiety on Saturday night. Mm. And I just was like, I don't want, this can't be how life is just is, you know? Yeah. Well, that takes me to my next question, which is how did you start to move into entrepreneurship? And 
was it scary for you? Did you have reservations and fears around it? Oh my God, like so much fear. First of all, entrepreneurship was not something I was raised with, you know, unlike your family, you know, where there was like an entrepreneurial flair. Yeah. My parents were like straight up corporate, both corporate executives believing the corporate juice and just really living that version of existence. So to me, corporate and prestige went hand in hand and the corporate ladder was the way to be good enough if you weren't going to be a doctor or lawyer or engineer, right? And so there was so much fear in the unknown and the idea of entrepreneurship wasn't sexy like 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's become this coveted journey now, this journey of creativity and freedom and building and scaling and hustling and whatever. But, you know, 12 years ago, there was no sex appeal to entrepreneurship really. And so I didn't know that that's what I was doing. All I knew was that through my journey of you know, repairing my relationship with my body and sort of really coming to a place where I was finally off, to the, off the hamster wheel of weight loss, finally starting to feel good in my own skin, finally able to really uncover sort of the layers of what had put me in this position in my life to be desperately chasing thinness it was only through that work, which was unrelated to my career, right? It was like, I'm still doing the IBM, still doing the degrees, still doing the everything. It was only through that journey that I was going on separately that I came to this sort of fork in the road where I uncovered this passion for wellness and for fitness and nutrition, or so I thought at the time, sort of, I was like, okay, like this is something really tangible. This is something I have figured out for myself. This is something that I have journeyed through and I feel like I've really healed for myself. And now like, God, all I want to do is help other people on their journeys through this. I didn't know what that meant, but I was like, okay, maybe I just like become a personal trainer and nutritionist so that when I have a baby and I like make my graceful exit then I just like won't come back to the corporate world. I'll do that instead. And again, people will be like, oh my God, like look at how much she loves being a mom. Now she's just like doing this other stuff on the side. That's okay, was my version of reality. It wasn't about entrepreneurship. It wasn't about like, look at me, I'm gonna like be a boss woman. It was, I found something that felt deeply personal to me and like something that I really cared about. And I thought it could be the easy way for me to just find my footing without rocking the boat. And ultimately what ended up happening was while I was in the corporate world, magically, after sort of getting my certifications and stuff, there's a portfolio of clients in Toronto that had lost their trainer because of some other circumstances. I knew one of the girls and she was looking for a trainer and she was like, why don't you just take me on as one client to just see if like you even like this? You know, it's one thing to do this for yourself. It's another thing to work with other people. And I was like, okay, like I can do that. I can take on one client and still keep working in the corporate world. You know, one client turned into 13 and pretty soon I was, you know, up at four training before going to work in the morning, working from like eight to 6.30 and then training again from seven to 10.30 and then sleeping and then doing it again. And it was rinse and repeat. And it was, I think, the duality and experiencing me 
in both versions of reality at the same time with the compare and contrast that I was like, oh, this is undeniable. This is where I feel like I'm in my sweet spot. This is where I don't feel like a fraud, where I feel like I'm having an impact, where I don't have to perform, where I can just be myself and watch the magic happen and then put on my corporate hat and want to die only to then come back out on the other side being like, I've arrived, right? And because of the clients and because, you know, I was able to charge, you know, more and more and more pretty soon, I was making more than enough money to continue being the breadwinner of the household because my husband was in residency without the corporate gig. And so I got to the point where even I had to call myself out on my BS because before it was like, oh, the money and the stability and like, I have to make the money and he's in residency and I have to hold down the fort and, uh, but when I got to the point where I was like, that's not true. That's actually like fully not true. So you cannot tell yourself that you have to be here anymore. You cannot tell yourself that there's no way out. You found the way out. It's happened. And now are you willing to take the leap or not? Because if you're not, then you have to shut up and you have to be willing to live this existence. But if you want it so badly and you're desperate to feel differently, then lady, you got to move. And it was scary and it was hard. And my parents were like, I'm sorry, you're going to take your executive MBA and teach people how to exercise. And my husband was like, so like, do you want to work at good life? Like, I don't understand. Nobody had any idea what was happening, but I think they also were just like, mm, at least she's married. There is a legitimizer and luckily he's a doctor. So either way, she's not a total failure. And I think my husband was just so caught up in his own residency stuff that he was just like, whatever, like, I don't know. She's saying that there's still going to be money coming in. We're good. And I took a hiatus from the corporate world. I, you know, actually went away for a few months because my husband was working in Brazil at the time for a few months. Went there, built my website, launched myself into Facebook. And God, that's like, how old am I? Launched myself (laughs) into Facebook. Can you imagine? And I remember being like, I don't know where this is going. I just know that... I have to follow this path because I found something. And the only thing I can do is trust that the path is going to lead me somewhere. And it was like that seed of, you know, working one-on-one with individuals that then turned into Facebook. And then Facebook turned into, huh, turns out I'm not too brown for the non-browns and too not brown for the browns to not be able to find an audience in this space. Actually, there is something here. I can connect with people. And from there, suddenly it was the birthplace of, okay, well, what if I could go into the media? What if I could be on TV? And, you know, I remember hearing myself talking to my mom, thinking, God, this is so childish. Who wakes up at, you know, the age of 25 and is like, I think I want to be on TV. That's just so stupid when you don't have a background in media, when you have no reason to think that TV is a place for you. But there was just this quiet whisper being like, I don't, I don't know, but I, I have to follow it. And, you know, it was like, okay, then we, we hire a PR firm, we land our first TV segment. And then what does that lead to? And what does that lead to? And the, and the whole journey just started evolving in terms of quietly, but bravely taking the next step 
and then collecting the data and then quietly but bravely taking the next step and then collecting the data. And there were so many moments of doubt and fear and God, there's still so many moments of doubt and fear. As I said, I just like cried for two hours this morning. But I think what was happening for me was this true awakening and trust maybe for the first time ever in myself that I could I could take the quiet whispers and I could act on them. And even though I didn't have the answers of where I was going, I could say with certainty, yes, but this next step is the one I have to take. I don't know where it's going to go, but this next step is the one that I have to take. And that's sort of how it's, that's sort of how it's, it's just evolved since then. There's been no roadmap, no blueprint, no framework, nobody who has done this that I can follow. But I've just been like, next step, you know? Yeah, that's, it's funny that we joke about Facebook and and how it seems so old, but actually when you say Facebook, it reminds me how brave it would have been back then. Because now with TikTok and with Instagram Reels, with the idea of virality, it is a little bit easier to be an entrepreneur, not to say that it's not still brave, but it's a little bit easier. It's different, right? There's an environment for it now, right? And so you're like, well, I don't like this environment, so I want to be a part of that environment. At that time, there was no environment. And because nobody had any idea what I was doing, they were just like, so you want to like be online and do what? And I was like, I don't know. I think I just want to connect with people. And they're like, through what? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like they need to maybe learn something. And so there was a lot of uncertainty, right? But I, I'm I'm glad that the landscape is different for people now where they can see the potentiality a little bit more tangibly than I could. But also I'm just like, yo man, this sucks. How many social media platforms do we need to juggle now? It's exhausting yeah. and like, no, thank you. Ugh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's and these, this idea of quiet whispers, I could just so relate because it's exactly what you're saying. I'm so happy that you're talking about this because I think it's really easy for people to look at where you are today and be like, oh, she's just that's she just got there. Exactly. Exactly. And it's really interesting to hear the early journeys yeah. and the doubt and the quiet because this idea it's it's when you have the quiet whispers, it's like a vision that you have and a feeling that you have and you have to trust yourself so much but nobody else can see it yet so you look crazy yep you do for me and you feel crazy right you feel crazy and you look crazy and yet there's like a a developing knowing that is starting to emerge and there's something some willpower some faith some something that is driving you forward, but you really have to either be in enough pain that you are willing to burn it all down for the hope of something better, or you have to find a lightness in the process to be like, whatever, no big deal. If it doesn't work out, I'll just go back, right? And for me, it was the former. It was that I was in such pain. I was feeling the depths of my soul being crushed. Whether that was real or not, it it felt real to me. And, you know, when you're backed into a corner so tight, you have no choice 
but to act, I think that for me was the precursor. And I, I hope that that's not the way it is for everybody. I don't want them to have to be backed into a corner so tight that they have to make these massive pivots in their life. You know, it, it, it's highly inconvenient, let me tell you. Like, don't do it that way. It's shitty. Yeah, that's so funny. So this takes me to like, I've been really lucky. I don't know that you and I would have connected if, if you weren't friends with my sister and my brother-in-law, but I've gotten to be in your, just your orbit at like no makeup in a backyard at a six-year-old's party. But what, because you are you in that environment or this one, there's just like a limitlessness to the way you think that's like so inspiring and has actually made me make huge moves in my life. And I have been so much happier in such a real way. Like I told you, like it's impacted me on truly like a cellular level in a way where before at night I would like dread the next day. And now I can honestly tell you, Sonia, that I don't have to force gratitude anymore. I don't have to try and tell myself like, what are you grateful for? I go to bed at night and I'm like, I lived the exact day I wanted. That's incredible. And it started, it honestly started with you. And I wanted to know, does that land with you? This that you feel that you have this limitless list to the way that you think. And if you do, was it nature or nurture or a result of deep work? Oh my goodness. First of all, you are like way too kind. I mean, you have made such an impact in so many people's lives already. And that has all been off of your own knowing and your own doing and your own bravery. And yes, maybe you've gotten caught up in the grind along the way and you've been pushed and pulled in different areas, but so much of what you have brought to the table has been all you. I've just reminded you of that. So first of all, too much credit. In terms of the limitlessness of my thinking, to be honest, it's like that feels in high contrast to the version of Sonia that I feel because I was raised in such a very tight container and am constantly still undoing the knots and undoing the noise and undoing the layers and getting to the deeper and deeper, deeper sources of who I really am that you know, it's very clown mirror is what I'm going to say. It's very clown mirror And at each run of my career, it is clown mirror again, right? Because it's like at each stage, you get to this place and all of the work comes back, right? Like you have to go deeper. You have to unlayer more. You have to dig through the limiting beliefs again. You have to find that clarity and that precision on like, who are you at your most authentic core? And it certainly wasn't nature. I think if it's nurture, it is through my own nurturing of my child self as best as I possibly have been able to do with a tremendous amount of support through myriad therapy modalities, right? Like I do somatic therapy even now every single week without fail. And it's because I need that level of support to continue helping me unpack my stories, my lies, my untruths, the things that are preventing me from finding my highest self and my peace 
And I think, you know, through my journey, the only thing that has become really clear to me is that I just want to help. Like I just, I just want to help move people somehow. And, and my biggest hope is that I can help people get out of their own way because I have been in my own way my entire life. You know, it's like we grow up with these stories, like my parents are the monsters. This is the big bad wolf. Everything outside of me is the problem. And then you get to a stage where you're like, holy shit, I'm the monster. Somewhere along the way, I became the monster. Nobody has been doing anything to me. I have been holding my myself hostage through the narratives, through the stories, through the beliefs, through the behaviors, through the self-sabotage. And, you know... I don't know if the journey ever ends. I'm still on it. I think I will be on it until I'm dead. But I think it's just this deep passion, this actual calling that I think I feel like I have now for real to just want people to get out of their own way and and in being able to sort of offer the reframe in being able to sort of shift people out of feeling stuck, right? It's like that I'm stuck feeling that I think holds us in these patterns, in these cycles, in the on the wagon, off the wagon, in the hamster wheel of life. I think it's just because I've, I've done it so much to myself and I've overcome so much of it that when, you know, I'm, I'm talking to somebody like you in a backyard, I'm not trying to do anything but I'm just like, oh my goodness, you're stuck. And if I can just say like four things to help you get out of your own way, just to see the glimmer of hope, to feel less alone, to feel, you know, less broken, then we can worry about the tangibles later. We can roadmap, we can strategize, we can blueprint, we can create the framework, we can do all the thing things later. But how can you and I connect so that you don't feel so alone and so broken in this vortex that you're keeping yourself in, right? Like, I think that's the piece to me that feels honest. And I think that's just not through limitless thinking or nature or nurture. I think that is literally just, I've had to do it every step of the way for myself. And I have to continue doing it every step of the way for myself. And I may be just four steps ahead of everybody else. So if I can share the four steps, then four steps is what I can share. And I know that I'll be on the journey till I'm dead. And if all my role here is to just keep showing people the next four steps to the next iteration of themselves, then my job here is done. You bring up a really good point, which is like this idea that you have to kind of unlearn the stories that you tell yourself that end up being the, the limitations. So it's true. Like for me, a big story, this is so personal, but a big story for me is like, it's really hard. I think when you have two siblings that are the same gender, there's such a natural tendency to compare. And as much Absolutely. as even we do it with Rena's kids, they're two boys. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's just such a, you just, it happens. And with growing up next to Rena, it was so hard because Rena's like, perfect. She's so beautiful and she's so smart and she's so much confidence. She's just like born with this mm -hmm. crazy confidence. And it took me so long to come out of that story that like, 
it's okay if I don't succeed at things because I'm the little sister and Rena's my sister. Like, it's just like the story. And I think after talking to you, I started to kind of look at my own and also, like, I think in, when you work in careers, you you think about what your strengths are because you need them you to, like, to. put yourself in interviews. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I kind of was like, I think I'm, like, a really good listener. And I have kind of this, like, genuine earnestness that helps me when I'm pushing people to be on my podcast yes. because I, it's, it's like, a it's really – It's real. Push people. Exactly. I only ask people who I really want to talk to. It's not, like, about the numbers or the followers that they have or anything like that. And so, like, I think that is a big piece of kind of – finding your happiness is tuning into what your strengths are because it helps you untell those other stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, whether we like to believe it or not, it's the stories, it's the lies that we tell ourselves that are making the journey that much more painful. You know, it's, it's, it's very challenging to unpack them because as you mentioned, it's like the birthplace of those narratives the birthplace is so young, right? We're not talking about like, oh, when I was like 27, I like got rejected once and it was like, I guess I'm a bad person. We're talking about like when I was four, this happened. When I was six, this happened. The environment that I grew up in made me believe X, Y, and Z. And so as an adult then to be both simultaneously like thriving in your life while unpacking your, you know, little T, big tree, big T, all the T traumas that you have. It's, it's, it's a challenging duality to hold, but I think it's such a necessary part of how we unlearn unhappiness because unhappiness comes really easily. Happiness Mm. is what's hard, right? Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. For people who want to connect with you. And now that you like looking at your career now to me, it's like, it's so built by design and it really does feel like it's built with such pure intention as, as you've been sharing. What are the components of your work and how can people connect with you? Oh my goodness. So what are the components of my work? Like, gosh, this is the evolving story. You know, once upon a time it was like, okay, I work with individual clients one-on-one in person then it became, you know, a media focus. Then from there, it became a speaker focus. Then from speaker to author. And then somewhere along the way, it was like influencer, huh, but like influencer. You know, there is some exciting things in the pipeline, I think, for this next iteration of the Sonny Joss brand, which I'm looking forward to. And I am excited to be able to bring different avenues and vehicles for people to actually work with me not through like a one-on-one, you know, high ticket coaching price, because while that's lovely, it feels really limiting, I think, for me and for individuals. And so stay tuned. There'll be a whole ecosystem coming your way in terms of products and services and online offerings that I think will give people the insight and sort of steps forward in the various facets of their life to be able to like work with me without necessarily working with me directly. Otherwise, it's like I've taken a, you know, a hiatus on social media for the summer just to regroup after the first stint of the book tour. But we dive back in with really meaningful content in the fall and sort of like a rejuvenated sense of purpose, you know, going on the second stint of the book tour. And I'd say, you know, between my social media, my speaking engagements, 
the book itself, the Momentum platform, which we have, which is really just a free repository, let's call it, of all of the actual tools and resources that I use personally in my life to keep the momentum going so that it isn't an on the wagon, off the wagon journey. I think those avenues are probably the place that I can tell people to turn to right now to say, you know, slide into my DMs online and let's have a conversation. Stay tuned for the more tangible offerings that are going to be coming up in the fall and winter. And in the meantime, you know, between the talks and the book, there's a lot of my story, a lot of my personal journey, and a lot of my philosophy in there for how to get out of your own way and how to get unstuck. That's awesome. Yeah, I I really encourage anybody, like I really, I can't say this enough. It's just been so impactful for me. If anybody can, however, get to you and to your work, like I would just so deeply recommend it. You're so sweet. Okay. So your book, I'll start again tomorrow. In prepping for this, it's so funny. Like I was like, oh, maybe Sonia deals with self-doubt sometimes too. Maybe Sonia deals like (laughs) struggles with discipline sometimes too. Mm -hmm. I'll ask you this first and then I'll tell you like a funny little story after. But I think balance is something that everybody struggles with. Like a lot of people look at my life, like I don't have kids and I am single. So I have what looks like an abundance of time, but I struggle with balance. And so can you tell us a little bit, like what does your do you have a daily routine or a nightly routine? Like what do you do to fill your cup so that you can show up having taken care of yourself before the world starts to take from you? Yeah, I sort of hate it because it's involved a lot of discipline to get there, but I really do have a morning routine now that involves me having to wake up a couple of hours earlier than the kids. And I don't even subscribe to this model because it's like the winning formula and like entrepreneurs wake up at five o'clock in the morning and like, you know, all of that sexy shit that we're told around like why waking up early is like the formula for success. It's literally not even that for me. It's the only way I can survive my life because if I don't have that time to ground myself in the morning, to do whatever version of the workout, to journal so that I can just offload the toxicity that comes so naturally to me, just the time and space that I can offer myself while it's dark and quiet and nobody's looking at me, that to me feels like really the only way that I can deliberately get a hold of myself before the day gets started. And if I don't do it, I'm too caught up in the vortex. And it's very difficult for me to find my footing. It's very difficult for me to override the negative narrative. It's very difficult for me not to feel like I'm drowning. And I don't necessarily need that routine to look a certain way all the time, but it does involve me having space before everybody wakes up. It does involve some sort of physical movement. It does involve some sort of intentional release. And when I say release, I mean like verbal diarrhea, either on paper or in an audio note or something so that I can acknowledge the tension and pain that I'm starting my day with. And ideally, like we wouldn't be starting our days that way, but yes, we are. So it feels tremendously impactful for me to just allow it and release it so that I can experience the catharsis and the almost like headspace 
shift so that then it's like, okay, I can bring new things into this headspace. I'm not overlapping good on top of garbage already. Sometimes that's breath work. Sometimes that's meditation. Sometimes it's none of the above. And it's literally like I woke up, I got out of bed, I went downstairs to the gym. I like started to exercise. It felt horrible. I lay on a mat and I cried for 15 minutes. And then I I got really anxious and nervous and worried that my career is ending. And I just vomited it all out on paper. And then, you know, somewhere in that, it was like, okay, I can be an adult. I can do this. And then, you know, whether it's then audiobooks or affirmations or things like that, you know, there's so many tools out there. Different things work for different people, but I've got like a portfolio of things that I know I can touch upon, draw upon when the noise for me is getting too loud. And Kajal, as you said, it's like, I am not a robot and healing is not a one-time journey it's iterative, it's cyclical. There's an expansion and a contraction that happens every step of the way. And what I'm learning to do now for myself is allowing the contractions and not overriding the contractions with all the self-care tools, with the audiobooks, with the affirmations, with the things, but actually just allowing the waves of contraction to happen in a way that I can just create a little bit of space from them but also acknowledge that they're here for a reason to tell me more truth around what do I need to change? What isn't serving me? Where do I need to go from here? What's the next tiny step? It's again, tuning back into those quiet whispers as best you can through the pain of it all so that you can better navigate yourself. Because I think the single most effective aha moment that I had for myself and continue to remind myself of all the time. And it's so simple and it's so annoying and you will hate me for this (laughs) is no one's coming. No one is coming. And so now I'm getting emotional. This life is mine. And if I'm waiting to be rescued or I'm waiting for someone to make it easier for me, or I'm waiting for someone to shift my beliefs and my patterns, or someone to hold my hand through the pain. That's not going to happen. And so over to me to honor what is, to take big, brave, bold, scary-ass, shitty action, and to find a way to, I think, just continue the unlayering and the growing, being as honest with myself about myself as I can along the way. Because what I learned is that I am so good at performing, even I believe my own performance. And it takes a deep level of surrender and trust to myself as Sonia to be able to really allow and receive the whispers still to have the courage to continue to dare to want more. And if it's what I want, if what I want is more, whatever more means, more purpose, more impact, more passion, more joy, more pleasure, more self-care, more, more love for life, then no one's coming and it's on me. It's just so nice for you to show up this authentically and this honestly, because this this is what people need, is to hear 
you know, people like you say, sometimes I struggle too and, and I need tools too. And it's not as perfect as it always looks, you know? So thank you so much for, because, because the truth is, is we live in a world where that's not what wins. What wins is the number of followers and the perfect handbags. That's what I think seems to draw the eyes, whether it comes from a healthy place or not. And I really appreciate that you're okay with being so honest and because it takes such courage, you know? I think, you know, honestly, it's like at each iteration of the journey, as I said, it's like, you know, you're unlayering yourself further and I don't know where the moments happen along the way, but at some point in time, your ability to wear the mask goes away. And so, you know, when people are like, oh, you're so brave for being so vulnerable. I'm like, I don't know how to do it any other way anymore. It's not even vulnerable. It's not even brave. I don't have courage. I just don't know how to show up differently anymore. And it's highly inconvenient because then you cry during podcasts. But also, (laughs) I think to your point, it's like, aren't we so sick of the other version of it now? Aren't we so tired of the smoke and mirrors of perfection? Aren't we just so over it at this point? And if we're not over it, then hopefully we can get over it soon because it's exhausting for everybody. And I think it's time. Yeah. Just as like a last question, because I have you as this expert and I I want to be able to get as much out of this as for the audience, especially as I can. And I know this is kind of a hard question to answer, but what do you think is kind of one lower lift, higher impact thing people can do for their wellness every day? Something that's easy-ish, but can make a big impact into how you kind of show up for the day. Journal. And I say journal loosely because whether journaling is verbal diary in the morning or journaling is busting out a notebook or your computer or whatever it is when the noise is getting too loud and giving yourself permission to offload the noise without filter, without editing, without how we package because we think someone might read it. Do whatever you need to do when the noise is there, again, whether this is a part of your morning practice or whether it's what you do when you can feel it coming up, when you can feel the angst, you can feel the anxiety when you're like, oh my God, (laughs) when you can feel that, offload it onto paper without thinking about it. Nobody will ever read it. Give yourself that permission. Don't do anything with it right away, but just let it out. And then how you process it and how you move through it later on, that, again, lots of tools and frameworks around how I personally do that, what I recommend here, but I'm not worried about that piece right now. The piece is how do you give yourself permission to tune in, to feel that it's coming up, and then to let it out because there's so much truth and honesty and understanding that can come from what you experience just by not filtering how you're feeling. I think that's great advice for wellness. And I think that's great advice for finding career fulfillment too. That's exactly what I would tell somebody to do. It's like, it's all there. It's all there. You know, you know. 
It's just we're too busy performing to be able to get to the knowing. And so how do we tune in? And for me, verbal is too easy. Verbal is too easy for me to pick my words, to be selective, to harp on like, well, I sound like a hamster when I speak. It's too easy for me to be less honest. And so find your words through writing. No one's ever going to read it. It's only for you. It doesn't have to look good, sound good, have spelling mistakes, make your writing as sloppy as you need to, but let it out. And the other value I think with writing it is that you can refer back. So if there's a, maybe you don't know what's making you unhappy. Maybe you don't know how to find that thing, but if you write and write and write over the course of days or weeks or months, if you trace back and read, you'll find those themes. You will. So I think that's another kind of really will. benefit to writing it out. So true. Well, thank you so much, Sonia. This was like so therapeutic, which I wasn't, I should have expected, but I wasn't expecting. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Where can everybody find you? At Sonia Joss everywhere. Yeah, just soniajoss.com. Last name is super weird. S-O-N-I-A-J-H-A-S. Instagram, TikTok, the stuff. But just, you know, I'm open to all the conversations. And, you know, if you're struggling, if you just need someone to listen to you, if you're feeling alone, find my DMs. I'm always so happy to connect. That's so nice. And I think one last thing that I will leave as we are over time now, I just want to say, like, I think about this a lot, this idea of surrounding yourself with women who would say your your name in a room full of opportunities. This is just an extension of that. Thank you so much for doing this with me and for making me feel so safe about it. That's really the gift. Like, thank you. You are a gift, Kajal. I mean, I'm not doing anything but just showing you the magic that you already have. And I can't wait for more and more people to experience you as you really sort of just, you know, expand into maximum Kajal. It's happening. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Land a Job You Love podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you're interested in learning more about career coaching services with me, you can visit the link in my bio on Instagram at Spark Career Co. I hope you have a great day.